Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast. Your host, Dr. Joe Tata, leads the conversation around the way pain is treated in the U.S. and around the world with experts from the fields of medicine, physical therapy, nutrition, personal development, exercise, psychology, and more. Each week, you can listen to receive free information about ways to treat and reverse chronic persistent pain. Now, here is Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Joe Tata. If you're listening to this podcast today, it was released on Thursday, November 22nd, which is the holiday of Thanksgiving here in the United States. So it's only appropriate that I take a moment and express my greatest and fondest gratitude to each of you who continually listen to and follow this podcast and share the great information. May each of you have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving and much love to you and your family. Today on the podcast, we're going to explore another patient perspective as what it's like to develop pain, to live with chronic pain, and to eventually overcome chronic pain. Today, I have the great pleasure to introduce you to Barbara. Barbara is a retired school teacher who developed chronic pain and has searched and searched for a diagnosis. She has seen almost every practitioner under the sun and has had a laundry list of treatment recommendations provided to her on her quest for living a pain-free life. Barbara is someone I met through my online pain education program called Heal Your Pain, Heal Your Life, as well as we have worked offline with regards to helping her negotiate how to live her life beyond pain. I wanted to give Barbara an opportunity to share her story with you because I know that her story echoes so many of those who've been searching for answers for the chronic pain of come up short. On the podcast today, Barbara explains the various tests as well as treatments that she has had, and more importantly, the steps she has taken to live a rich and full life, even despite having some pain present. What I love most about Barbara is that she's humble. Humility is a quality that I feel is in short supply these days, which is why I'm so excited to share her with all of you. Barbara has found that delicate balance of nurturing and taking care for herself, as well as having enough energy left over to nurture and take care for others in need. Barbara and I spoke about this toward the end of the podcast, but I wanted to take a moment now and make sure to mention it and give Barbara the credit that she deserves. Throughout all of her life stress, throughout all of her chronic pain and her struggles, Barbara has found the free time to dedicate herself to volunteering in a nursing home and to help take care of people and support others who are in need. That's why I find Barbara so special, and that's why I wanted to share her story with you. Okay, have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving, and let's meet Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Hi, Dr. Joe. Hope you're well. I am well. I know you are too. And, um, I gave you a great introduction to the podcast so people know that you're a client of mine. We've worked together on the chronic pain that you've had. So we're going to talk about your pain story today and what you've been through and how you've been able to make some breakthroughs. Let's start out here because we have a lot to talk about today, but let's start out with take all of our listeners and viewers back to the moment in time where you realized that you weren't feeling so well and things were feeling kind of unpleasant in your life and what that was like. I had a kind of normal childhood and I went to school and went to college and all of that. And when you're really busy, I think maybe you don't focus on what's going on in your body too much. 
But then I got out and got a decent job that I really loved. But in the 70s, it was around 1975, I realized like my muscles were always hurting and joints, particularly joints. So I started snooping to see what was going on. I went to different doctors and things started to escalate. I was diagnosed with an ovarian cyst and then I had osteopenia and osteoporosis, food allergies that At least that was the explanation for the pain that I had food allergies. And so I did a lot of testing around that. And I came back allergic to almost everything. And then there were hormone imbalances. It was one thing after another. And doctors would just recommend, oh, yes, there was ankylosing spondylitis thrown in there. And you can take this painkiller. And I wasn't much for taking painkillers. So I sought out naturopaths, one of which just gave up on me, (laughs) gave me supplements, but they didn't work. And now that I'm looking back, I'm really feeling like there was a whole way of being that was behind the pain continuing, like we were chasing shadows. And By that, I meant everybody wanted to fix the symptoms. And of course, I was the number one that wanted to fix the symptoms and wasn't really asking, am I doing anything that's making it worse? Is there anything I can do to make it better in my lifestyle or in my thinking? That was not in the forefront. I just knew supplements And as I look back, I'm saying now, I did an awful lot of things wrong, in quotes, but I know that I was doing the best I could at the time. But I had very, a lot of stressful things happening. I lost a job. I got divorced. I got another job teaching school. I taught school for 22 years. Sixth graders are not the easiest (laughs) folks in the pond to reach. But I noticed that the pain was getting worse and worse, and no solution, nothing was fixing it. Then I got Lyme disease in, I think there was 2013, and then it was like, wow, feeling beat with a stick, couldn't raise my arms to put dishes in the sink, uh, couldn't put a coat on. So then I was treated for Lyme. You get pretty discouraged. And very, very uh, hopeless about everything. But still not getting to the point of questioning, is there anything that I am doing that might be contributing to the intensity of the pain? So in 1917, uh, 2019, so wow, wouldn't that be something? 2017. I started going, actually 16, I started going online because online didn't exist before. And because I wasn't getting any answers, I decided to do some snooping and then came across a lot of different podcasts that talked about autoimmunity, that talked about leaky gut, uh, talked about the importance of sleep and exercise and nutrition. So then I started just doing those kinds of things. And I'm beginning to realize that stress happens to people, but what I do with that is the most important 
thing mm. adding mm. to or subtracting from the discomfort I have. I think that right there is a, such a tweetable moment that stress happens and we know that there's an intimate connection between stress and pain. Mm-hmm. And when you can buffer your stress or manage your stress or alleviate your stress in some ways, oftentimes it helps with the pain. I want to, you said something, you gave us a great introduction into a little bit of your history and kind of what you've been through. You said something in the beginning that I want to spend just a moment or two on, and that was the, the chasing shadows. Mm-hmm. And you and I have spoken in depth because we've worked together that every time you kind of look down an alley, every time you went for a search, that there was another kind of shadow, another demon that was there to try to hold on to. And as you know, shadows just kind of slip through your fingers. There you can't grab them. Take us through all the things that you've tried to stop and alleviate the pain. I also want to make clear that the pain isn't just physical for me. I had a great deal of anxiety with the Lyme disease that was like takes over your whole body. So that's not exactly physical pain, but I may not tell you. It's uh, awful. And then the discouragement is another kind of pain, you know, just that total discouragement. So, yeah, I tried, I went to naturopaths, chiropractors. I did acupuncture, acupressure, Rolfing, Feldenkrais, I think just about everything, Traeger. (laughs) And I guess I really did expect that they would so-called cure me. And um, each time they would give a little temporary relief, I'd feel a little bit better for a little while. And then the pain would be there again or something else. And I've now come to the point where I realize I do still need some of those, particularly when I'm in a flare state, but I don't expect them to cure me anymore. I see them more now as a way of nurturing myself. You know, somebody touching my body, somebody moving a little energy, but I don't expect to come home and never be painful again. Yeah. And of course, you did mention that some of these worked temporarily, but they didn't provide any long-term solution. You know, a lot of people with chronic pain get kind of caught in the same trap you were, where they're trying all sorts of things that, you know, I think the worst case scenario of that are people who are on opioids, you are not on opioids. But you did look to supplements for a while. How many different types oh, of supplements? I am still on a lot of supplements. That I, yeah, I'm trying to, you and I work together to try to wheedle some of those down. And, and I have to admit that I, I did go back to the ones that I felt. The part of the problem is supplements come with a lot of things in one bottle, which is what you're trying to accomplish. Take one pill that has multiple things. But because I tend to be sensitive, my body knows right away the minute you put something else into it. <laughs> so I'm still what I call finagling with that to try to, to weed out some of the supplements. I mean, and some of them are just vitamins and some of them are natural anti inflams There's still too many of them. Right. And some are important for health, like omega-3 fatty acids or a wonderful thing. They're very anti-inflammatory. But you did realize at some point that they weren't the long-term solution. 
No, I think if you forced me, you'd get me down to probably four. <laughs> but that's not where I am now. <laughs> yeah, that was one of our one of our goals was five. So that's fine. You're still taking action and working in yeah. in in that direction. So you, you tried a lot of different types of practitioners, a lot of different types of treatment, supplements, different diets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still really pretty strict with my diet now, but I really believe in the gut healing part because once it seems that happened for me, at least that's my explanation, the allergies are gone. The food allergies are not there anymore. Right, because you're sensitive. Well, Alan, allergies... Uh, I mean, full- sensitivities. They right, right. Allergies, they right, were sensitivities, yeah. but I did food allergy testing and then yeah. I did the leap diet and all kinds of things. Something helped. If you had a, a mental list in your head or maybe even a list on paper of all those things that you tried that only worked in the, the short term, what would you say it cost you to go through that entire process of kind of trial and error and all those things? Well, I just know that the naturopath alone was between nine and $11,000 a year. And that doesn't count the Feldenkrais or the yeah. body work or anything like that. So, you know what? Could be another $20,000 a year. Easy. Right. So there's the financial cost of going through that trial and error. And then going from appointment to appointment. Yeah, this time, right? Yeah. And what I learned about myself was, I guess I never realized how obsessive I was because I'm a a bit of a perfectionist. And also, as much as functional medicine really helped me find tests that would help me figure certain things out, like I found that I had some infections in my gut and some supplements that were missing. Uh, Those were very helpful, but what functional medicine unfortunately got me into was find the root cause, find the root cause, find the root cause. And being the obsessive person that I am and the perfectionist, I just kept going down further and further, further and then getting more and more frustrated with not finding a root cause. Right. I'm in a place now where I'm saying, there are probably six root causes, but how can I, I can't keep going there. And I'm 71, so I don't have the time left. Well, you bring up, Barbara, is a really important point. And if I had to take you back to a moment where you had spent a lot of money, you had spent a lot of time, you already mentioned you were feeling discouraged because you were trying these things that are working short term, but they're not working long term. If I kind of had like a little camera, a hidden camera in your living room, and we can look at you at that moment where you figure out maybe there's no root cause, mm-hmm. what was that like? Well, it it was more like maybe I'm the root cause. (laughs) That may sound strange, but I guess I never realized how much I was. Now, when I say I, my brain, my thinking, my beliefs were 
definitely exacerbating everything and maybe even driving it. I'm not completely pain-free now, but when it comes, I don't get so crazy about it. And I think there have been pieces. The awarenesses have come a little bit at a time. Some from the webinars, uh, different programs, and then your program on Heal Your Pain, Heal Your Life. Because what I liked about that was you highlighted everything. I'd already been doing nutrition, but I wasn't doing the exercises. And I certainly wasn't being mindful. And so that was sort of the first little, oh, well, maybe there's something about my thinking. I'm not exactly sure why, but I always tended to look at what was wrong and what was missing. So I I used to laugh at myself and say, I'm the queen of loss. You know, and and there was seemed to be no reason for that. I, you know, I don't have cancer. Uh, you know, I, I, there's so many people that are so ill, and but I went to what wasn't enough. What what the glass was always half empty, and I was watching, beginning to watch myself do that and get really discouraged with that. Like, why am I doing that? It ruined all my joy. I would smile at something and in a second I would twist it to something negative. So you can imagine my view of looking at my pain and it would never occur to me that pain was just a signal. Actually a kind of it's just it's just telling you something. Pay attention here. Pay attention here. And as I look back, I wasn't paying attention to an awful lot just trying to fix it fix it fix it and um i understand now that we all want to fix it but in a way fixing it is a way of resisting it as well it's not being with it and asking what's going on here am i contributing anything to it what do i do now that it's here so i've completely shifted I think your second program was just an eye-opener to me. I just had no idea. Now I could draw a line. I can say, okay, beliefs lead to thoughts. Thoughts lead to emotions. Emotions lead to actions. If you do it long enough, you're now in a pattern of habits. And now it's your whole life. And then there's a feedback loop inside you a chemical feedback loop that just keeps everything going the cortisol changes the stress hormones so with that awareness now i'm really careful of what where's my head now what am i thinking am i in the present or am i catastrophizing what if this happens what if this happens oh this might be this i have to be vigilant all the time, but I'm grateful to have that awareness. Right. So a lot of the process of, I mean, I have to say, Barbara, you did a, you spent a lot of, obviously a massive amount of time going through the steps of figuring out what is it, what's going to work. Can I try this? You tried everything and everything you did makes perfect sense. It's something that every single person 
would do if they were in your circumstance. However, the one thing that sticks out to me today, and you have said it just beautifully, is that the resistance to the pain was probably my biggest problem. And once you started to kind of open up to that resistance and kind of just crack the door a little bit and allow some of the unpleasantness you were feeling to be there, then things started to kind of change for you. And once you started to notice that there were thoughts along with the physical pain in your body, that's when Barbara started to really change, right? Mm-hmm. And there is, what I found was that, that the resistance wasn't just against the pain. The resistance involves, well, my classroom wasn't good enough. My mother wasn't good enough. I'm not good enough. <laughs> that there was resistance of, oh, it's raining today. <laughs> Um, it's not to say I didn't enjoy being alive. I love life, but I really realized that I kept focusing on all the things that I didn't want to be there, like a spoiled little child having a tantrum. So, and the resistance carries an angst with it. What I mean by that is there's a passion behind it. There's an energy and and an emotion behind it. It says, I don't want this. Go away. And I'm learning now to to back up from that and just say, well, here it is. (laughs) In every aspect of my life, and that is making life easier. You know, whether it's a friend that's just a little squirrely, I just say, well, that's, that's who she is. Or that's not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm learning to back away from before I get to that point where I'm resisting or... Including pain, right? Including pain, including pain, yes. The other thing I learned from your program is part of the obsessiveness that I have to get things to be right or what's the right answer? What's the perfect, you know, I learned that there isn't any. (laughs) There isn't necessarily a right answer. There's just an answer that's maybe the best one for the moment. Mm. And then there are consequences. And then I'm, whatever happens, I'm strong enough to deal with those consequences. Mm. And you taught me pacing. I don't pace myself. I, I'll get going. We, I had a situation with mold in the house. I pushed myself you know, six hours a day. I'm realizing I can't do that now or I'm going to be in pain. And whether that's because of my age, whether it's because of leftover this or that, it doesn't matter. I can't be that obsessive anymore. I can't watch webinars for six hours. I can't (laughs) clean my house for four hours. I need to love myself by being gentle and patient and stop looking at like I used to go through the grocery store this is how subtle it is I'd go through the grocery store and I love chocolate I love chocolate and sweets and things and I'd go down the aisle and I'd say and you'd hear these blue light specials on this or that and I'd think yeah sure I can't eat that yeah, I can't eat that either. And do you see how awful that is? (laughs) And now I go through and I go, nope, I don't want that. I'm loving myself enough 
that I'm choosing not to eat that. And yet, a few times a week, I'll have a treat. I can't tolerate sugar at all. So I do protein bars that have minimal sugar, and I pace them out. But it's the thinking that changed. Yeah. So people with pain are listening to this interview, and there may be even practitioners who are obviously you know, working with patients in their practice, in their clinic. How would you respond to someone right now who says, well, this is an interesting story, and I like what she's been through, but I need my pain to go away before I can live my life again, before I can move again? Well, I honestly can't say I did that because even if I was in pain, I was still forcing myself to do, to snowshoe. If I couldn't go an hour, I went 10 minutes. I mean, I was still forcing myself. I'm enough of a rebel (laughs) that I would still do that. In fact, I've had to go the other way. (laughs) I have to stop pushing and go back and be a little more gentle as opposed to the person that feels they can't do anything. What I found is that even when I don't feel good, which is when I don't want to do the exercises, if I do them, I actually feel better doing them, even if I can't do as much. Oops, there's my phone, but I'm just going to ignore it. (laughs) So I think that not doing is actually worse for you. First of all, doing is in a way a bit of a distraction. It keeps your focus balance on what's good and what's not good. Whereas if you go one way or the other, it's not real. I was so focused on what was wrong. And I couldn't go the other way to focus on everything that was great. But now I strive for something in between. And that includes doing what I love. So now I'm starting to say, oh, well, what workshop could I run? I don't want to do a six-hour workshop anymore for somebody and buggy lug all kinds of equipment to do it. But I sure would like to do something. I work at a nursing home. I volunteer there. And I still, um, I'm thinking of setting up some poetry workshops, which are one of the loves of my life and trying to be more present when my cat is sitting on my lap instead of him being a distraction oh go away I'm working I'm really looking at his ears and his fur and receiving his love instead of pushing the work so you can see I'm a little backwards (laughs) from people that don't with pain that don't feel they can do anything I have to pop back down a little, especially if there's a flaring. Yeah, you've learned to pace your activities, although I think as you just mentioned, you, things have started to kind of come back into your life again. Yes. Poetry has come back. You realize how important it was for you to volunteer at the nursing home. You and I have talked about that in depth. So once you created space for some of this unpleasantness, whether it was the physical pain in your body, whether it was feelings of anxiety you mentioned, once you kind of said, okay, I can kind of carry this as well as do other things, then life started to kind of build back for you. What's at the base of it, I think, for me was I didn't realize the depth of self-love and what that means. That means the whole ball of wax, 
It means barber who's able to snowshoe and barber who's not able to snowshoe. And as I work with older people, I can see I'm moving in that direction. It's inevitable, but there are people I admire who are in their 90s and still care who wins the race and who's going to be voted in. I mean, at 99, I have a friend who's, he can't see. He can't see the TV anymore. He can barely hear anymore. But by goodness, he's concerned that the people in his nursing home who are serving him all the aids, that they have decent pay. Who at 99 cares <laughs> that the people who are helping them have decent pay? Well, he's teaching me that I do. That I can be in discomfort and still do what's important for me to do. So I know it's really hard for people whose pain is really severe. I've had the so-called luxury of it ebbing and flowing. It comes and goes, it's strong, then it's not strong. But everyday pain, that, that's a real challenge. And I think you have to be even more vigilant to, if that's your situation, how can you be gentle? How can you be loving? Are you worth it underneath? Do you feel you are or not? Mm -hmm. And what would you say to someone who's listening to this podcast who doesn't really know which direction they should go in. So they're not sure, should I try diet first? Should I try nutrition? Should I work on, you know, noticing some of these unpleasant thoughts that I have? What would your advice be to them? It's awful lonely doing it alone. A lot of blind alleys. So I think your program was a godsend and I enjoyed doing it with a small group. I did another rather long-winded program. I'm not sure if you want me to mention it or not, but that was very helpful as well. But it was big. What I liked about our program together was that it was just a small group, maybe 10 people, and we could see each other and bolster each other. So I would say to them, if they can't get involved in your program, at least try your book. Your book is very, the scope is big. It's a very large scope. And then maybe just single out one place to start because it's, you can't do it all at once. Yeah. And I found it was, I needed the direction. The small steps are, are oftentimes big leaps. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If the person's listening were thinking, that they identify at all with my beliefs or my thoughts, then I would try your, I don't know if you're even offering the reverse pain program, but that one was life-changing. But now you're not there anymore, so I have to continue on, And but I've learned <laughs> I've got some tools. To yeah, the, so right, so the program came to an end for you. Yeah. But now you have all these tools to move forward with. And you've, like you said before, you've rediscovered, right. okay, there's volunteering, there's teaching some seminars, there's writing poetry, which Barbara writes beautiful poetry, by the way. And in, our, in the Facebook group for the program, oftentimes Barbara pop in a piece of poetry or she'll email me a piece of her poetry and I'll put it in there because it's beautifully written and it's so um, succinct about, about pain and um, what people think about pain and how um, you can overcome it. So even things like that start to open up where people become more creative 
because you're not so narrowly focused on, okay, pain has to be managed, pain has to be controlled. I'm stuck in this pain. When you start to open up, other things kind of open up with it. Mm-hmm. Barbara, it's always so nice to see you. Thanks. And I, I so appreciate you sharing your story with everybody because I think as unique as your story is, all of our pain stories are unique, but there are certain little seeds in there that people can hear in themselves. And I think mm-hmm. just by you talking about it, people are going to start to make some breakthroughs. Yeah, I think that's the key is that you get a hit somehow when you listen to people, you'll say, oh, yeah, I, maybe I do that. You begin to identify with different pieces of it. And when that hit, when you feel that hit, that's one place to start. We do that with poetry. When you write, you'll get a little twinge or something that says, ooh, there's something under that. Yeah. And you begin to snoop that avenue out. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope it's been helpful. Um, the biggest seems to be the resistance and watching being mindful, what am I doing that's helping or hurting while you're snooping out other avenues? Right. It's not that you don't do anything. It's right. something, but it, it seems to have to be balanced with what am I contributing to it? What am I helping? Am I hurting? What, what could I be doing that would... I love music, for instance, so I go try weekly to go to some house concert or somewhere to get a hit. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like adrenaline, <laughs> and it picks me up. So, yeah, try to find that piece to keep the pain in balance. All right, so there's that place where you kind of drop the struggle, and you drop the need or the really desire to want to kind of smash that pain into a million pieces. So it's a powder that you can no longer see or feel. And then you just start going back to the things that you enjoy in your life. Right. Well, I'm a controller. And so having to let go of control is huge. Yeah. Not easy. (laughs) Well, Barbara, I have so much gratitude for you to hop on a video call with me and do this and to share your story, to share your your entire experience of what it's been like for you. So I have so much gratitude. I love you and thank you so much for doing that. I hope you're there to help a million other people. (laughs) We're working on it. We're working on it, right? We are working on it together. Yeah, we're waiting. We're all waiting for your next program. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to thank Barbara for being on the podcast. Please take the time to share this with your friends and family because this, you know, as I've mentioned before, I've had on hundreds, literally hundreds of physical therapists and psychologists and physicians and all sorts of practitioners. But I think there are so many important pieces that you can learn from a patient story. Just share it with your friends and family on Facebook. Make sure you sign up for the podcast each week at drjotata.com forward slash podcast. So I can send you the new podcast in your inbox each week. Again, I said so much gratitude for Barbara for being here. And we'll see you all next week. Much peace. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast. For more information on this episode and access to links discussed, please visit drjotata.com and click on the podcast tab where you will find the blog post for this and all previous episodes and can sign up for Dr. Joe Tata's email list to receive the latest information on chronic pain. 
Also, make sure to stay connected on his Facebook page at Dr. Joe Tata. 